0: To all the books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 91, and today we are talking about books released on January 24th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com.
1: Hello, hello. Hi. How are you? Meh. Nah. Yeah, we're running a day late this week. Yes.
0: Because Which... of problems.
1: I think it's the first time this has ever happened so hopefully yep. our listeners will be understanding that we had a little bit of a a little bit of a crazy weekend and a crazy start to our week but we're here now. Yes, here we are. <laughs> and you're like in a massive snowstorm. It's it's not even like it's like a sleet storm. It's Ugh.
0: like raining hard ice pellets and the wind is blowing like 40 miles an hour.
1: That's it's not even fun to look at and
0: horrible out. But it's supposed to get really warm later and all melt. It's we keep getting crazy snow and then it all melts like hours later. It's very strange because the world yeah. is ending.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. Yes, uh, but we're here together still. We've got good books to talk about this week. Do you want to kick us off? I will do that. My first pick is
0: Days Without End by Sebastian Barry, which recently won the 2016 Costa Novel Award. And I'm embarrassed to say, although that's like an expression I've always used for books, but I'm really going to try and strike that from from my vocabulary now. I'm I'm not embarrassed to say, I will just say I've never read Sebastian Barry. I know a lot of people have. I know he's amazing. Everyone says he is. I actually own three of his books, but I've never read them. So this is my first Sebastian Barry. Uh, It's... Uh, It takes place in the United States in the middle of the 19th century. It centers around 14-year-old Thomas McNulty and his bestie, John Cole. Um, It starts, like I said, they're teenagers. They're kind of street rats. Thomas came over from Ireland. He's an orphan. And he meets up with another street rat, John Cole. They become best friends. Not only become best friends, they become the loves of each other's lives. And they start out as teens. They're working in a dance hall. They wear dresses and dance with minors because there are no women in town. And that's how they make their living until they're 17 and they enlist in the Army. It's the 1850s now. And basically, they sign up and their job is to go out and, and rid the country of Native Americans. It's horrifying. It's terrible. Uh, that's what they do. And... Well, during this time like when they're they're going around on these raids they um, meet a young Native American girl named Winona and when their time is up in the army they go to re- they retire to a place in Tennessee and they take Winona with them and raise her as their daughter because her parents were killed and it's a very loving you know family life that they're leading but then the Civil War starts. And their friends from when they were in the army say, "Hey, you know, join up. Let's let's do this again." And so they do, and it's just amazing, incredible writing about the brutality of war. It's it's so horrifying. You know how much I enjoy reading about the Civil War, despite the fact that it's just Mm -hmm. absolutely horrible. Um, And he just does an incredible job, like bringing that to life. It's just. Everything that he talks about, you know, the, the killings and, and everything, it's it's incredible. His writing is so poetic, though. He's He also writes a lot of poetry, you can tell. It's gorgeous. It's just this gorgeous book about love and guilt and duty to family and duty to country. And the historical detail is incredible. Um, and it, it did not end the way that I thought it would. It didn't end the way I thought it would. And a couple of other times, I was certain things were going to happen and they didn't, and that really pleased me because I don't like it when, you know, I figure things out. Um, And so it's just, it's remarkable. Again, it's called Days Without End by Sebastian Barry.
1: Whew, what a way to start your Sebastian Barry reading life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So good, though. I have a much more hopeful pick for our first selection and very timely. Indeed. Uh, I, and so many others spent the weekend marching around the country. I was in Washington DC and it was incredible. And I was thinking about this book, which is also incredible. It's called here. We are feminism for the real world. It's edited by Kelly Jensen, who Woo-hoo! happens to be one of our associate editors at book riot. So this book recommendation is coming from inside the house, uh, <laughs> But I would be reading and recommending this widely if I had never met Kelly. It's just like a perk that I get to talk to her every day. Uh, this is from Algonquin, and she uh, Kelly curated an amazing group of writers who contributed essays to this uh, to this book, and she uh, contributed some herself and edited it. Uh, they are essays about feminism by a very diverse group of writers. Again, it's targeted to young adult readers, but it should be very widely read if you are new to feminism. If you think of yourself as not a feminist, but you want to know what it's about, or you're in the camp of like, I believe in equal rights, but I wouldn't call myself a feminist, this will suggest to you maybe some different ways to think About that. There are incredible contributors to this book Wendy Davis, Amanda Sternberg, Mindy Kaling, Courtney Summers, Daniel Jose Older, so many others. These pieces address body image, gender identity, social life, standing up for yourself, rape and sexual assault, reproductive rights. Many, many other things. Uh, it covers theory. There's a great introduction to what feminism is and the history of feminism, including what was the first wave, what was the second wave. What does what do these waves even mean uh, for feminism? And there's a huge variety of formats as well. Uh, most of it is like is essays. Most of it is text, but there are some comics. Uh, there are some excerpts from people's Instagram accounts and the uh, captions that they wrote on those messages along the way. Uh, it's just really, really. Awesome. Uh, I have spent a couple of days going through this book and back through it. I'm just looking at the cover. Roxane Gay contributed to it. Mickey Kendall, Melinda Lowe, Sarah McCary, Matt Nathanson. Uh, Let's see. Who else? Who else? Uh, there's an interview with Laverne Cox, again, Amanda Stenberg. It's uh, it's really, really remarkable. I want to buy this book for all of the young women in my life and all of the young men uh, who should be feminists too. Uh, that is part of what it takes. I think it's fantastic. It was galvanizing to read this as, as sort of a developed feminist um, and to think about all the different paths that people take um, to seeking gender equality to understanding their identities to owning the label of feminist in your life and your relationships uh, it's it's awesome it is a great book it's incredibly timely right now uh, i don't think anyone is surprised to hear me talk about this book on this show uh, but please do go check it out for yourself again it's here we are feminism for the real world edited by kelly jensen good job kelly
0: yay kelly
1: um, so, I guess my segue to
0: our first sponsor is moving from feminism to being nice to your boobs.
1: Like, hey, making <laughs> good bras is totally a feminist act.
0: <laughs> so, I guess you can tell by that that our first love of, our first love, <laughs> this is my first Third love, love is our, our first love. Our third love is our first sponsor. You know how much we love third love. But did you know that women change bra sizes an average of six times in their lives? That is why finding the perfect fitting bra can make all the difference. Thankfully, 3rd Love bras were developed using thousands of real women's measurements and range from sizes AA to G, including signature half-cup sizes. So no matter what your body shape, you are sure to find a fit that's right for you. And with 3rd Love's Fit Finder, it only takes 30 seconds to determine the best size and style for your body. You can go online and talk to one of their fit specialists. It doesn't take very long at all. You get the perfect fit. And 3rd Love stands behind their product so much that they are willing to let listeners try a bra from their 24-7 collection free. You just pay $2.99 for shipping. You can take the tags off. You wear it. You wash it. You do everything that you normally do when you get a bra. You really live in it for 30 days to make sure that it's your new favorite bra. If you love it, you keep it, and they charge your card. If you don't love it, you can send it back for free, and your card will not be charged. So you go to thirdlovecom books, and they will help you out. And I just got a new bra from Third Love, and I am so in love with it. I am so <laughs> in love with it. I it, it's it's not one of the twenty four seven bras. It's um the strappy demi bra, and it's amazing. I got it, and I put it on, and it was like humana humana. I just <laughs> I can't even believe it. And like I briefly for like one second had that thought of like I should take a photo to show listeners. No, I should not. But it's amazing. I was like I need ten of these because wow. <laughs> um it's they're they're incredible and I also have one of the t-shirt bras it's like the, the most comfortable bra I've ever had I know it's the most comfortable bra you ever had you mm-hmm. got a new one all yeah. kinds of exciting bra stuff going on
1: yeah my size had changed in the last year or so and so I got a new uh third love sent us some new free bras since we get to talk about them on the show and I got a new t-shirt bra so I broke it in for the first time yesterday but I I do think this is like it's a great feminist act to make bras that are comfortable you should be able to feel humana humana without feel like without that like oh but I'm so uncomfortable like it should feel good all the way around uh, and third love does that their products are excellent so if you haven't already given it a shot do that now thirdlove.com slash books yeah and they're so beautiful they are and comfortable like this, you know, we should get to feel good about not just our clothing, but what goes underneath our clothing. Yeah. And, uh, and third, love—you can look good, you can feel good. It's all—it's just great. So, I
0: have no so, segue, <laughs> like okay. no segue whatsoever. But I will tell you about my next book if you would like me to. That would be great. Yes, my next book is called *City of Saints and Thieves* by Natalie C. Anderson. Uh, I read this like seven months ago, so long ago. I think it had a different title back then. I think it was called *Queen of Thieves*. I don't know. So, like I said, I read it a long time ago. Don't at me. Um, It's a young adult crime novel. I want to read more of these. I want to read more, like, straight-up, like, murdery, like, criminal young adult novels. I don't feel like there are enough of them. Or if there are, please do at me and let me know because I want to read more of them. This one takes place in Kenya. It's about a 15-year-old girl named Tina. She is the uh, best thief... On the Gundas team, the Gundas are a group of street criminals. Um, They're thugs. They intimidate people. They steal stuff. She is a part of this group. Um, She's been living on the streets for five years. When she was five years old, she fled the Congo with her mother. And they moved in with Mr. Greyhill. Her mother got a job as a maid for Mr. Greyhill. He is an American from Chicago, and he... Lives in in Kenya and he's very, very, very wealthy. Um, And he ends up falling for her mother, and they actually have a child together named Kiki. Um, But then, five years after that, her mother is found murdered in Mr. Greyhill's office. And Tina thinks it was Mr. Greyhill himself, and she runs away. And she's been waiting all this time for revenge on Mr. Greyhill. She joined the Gundas, she's been training, she's been fighting. Um, while she's been waiting, she's learned how to break into places and fight and steal. And she has a friend, her best friend is a hacker, and he steals stuff from accounts. And so she finally gets a perfect opportunity to get her revenge on Mr. Greyhill. Her boss wants to pull a job. He wants her to break into Mr. Greyhill's house. Um, but unfortunately things don't go so well while she's there. She gets caught by Mr. Greyhill's son, Michael. Um, and instead of turning her into the police, he gives her the opportunity... To learn who the real killer is, he doesn't believe his father is guilty, and together they're going to investigate the crime and try and figure it out uh, for themselves. So she has the, the chance to learn about the truth about her mother's murder and also why they left the Congo so long ago. It's nonstop action, it's really fun, like it, it never stops. Like she's here and there, and it seems like so much, um, so much like. Hmm, I don't know, they call it the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo meets Gone Girl, which I did not find that description to be very similar, but it is a little bit like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in pace. It's like super fast. Um, It's just nonstop action. And although it's fictional, it really does portray a lot of the atrocities that face women in that country uh, today. She hits on some really important, important issues. So it's tons of fun. And I loved it. It's called City of Saints and Thieves by Natalie C. Anderson.
1: Speaking of tons of fun, my next pick is Perfect Little World by Kevin Wilson. He wrote The Family Fang a couple of years ago, which I also loved, and now it is going to be a movie. And this is just a wonderfully weird novel about a guy named Preston Grind. He uh, is a psychologist who was raised by psychologists, and his parents made his whole childhood into an experiment with this child-raising method that they called the constant friction method, where at any time they would like spring something painful or terrible or scary upon him and teach him to calm himself. And their theory was like that if you throw enough of these terrible things at a kid, they will eventually become very resilient and they'll be like unshakable and able to handle anything. Um, you will not be surprised to know that it didn't go quite that smoothly for Preston grind. Uh, so now that he is an adult uh, he's interested in expanding the concept of families to be more collective, um, and to give children everything they need, every opportunity, every comfort—not uh, to spoil them, but to really create uh, like the most nurturing and wholesome environment possible. Um, he's been noodling around on an idea for a while, and he gets backing from uh, like a very rich old lady who wants to give him money to run a program. So he comes up with this idea called the Infinite Family Project, and he builds this huge complex. Um, with uh, school, like residences and school areas and gyms and a farm and like everything that you could need to have sort of a self-contained community. And he starts recruiting uh, couples and young women who are expecting babies who are all due around the same time. And one of the people that he recruits is Izzy, uh, who is a high school senior. She's in love with her art teacher. Uh, She gets pregnant uh, and he commits suicide, not because of the pregnancy, because he has uh, mental illness problems, um, but she finds herself single and pregnant at nineteen and no kind of no prospects. Her family situation was not great. Uh and so Preston Grind finds out about her and approaches her and recruits her to join this infinite family project so as soon as her baby is born she goes off to live at the complex along with uh, several other couples whose children were born at the same time and the idea is that they do this all collectively the children the babies don't live with their parents in the parents residences the children are all raised uh, in sort of one area together Um, all of the parents help care for all of the children on different schedules like you just take a shift in the children's sleeping room and you comfort whoever is awake crying in the middle of the night um the mothers pump milk and send those to um to be send the bottles to be stored so that whoever is on duty can feed the children uh, they get schooled. They they get schooled. They get, they have schooling. Words are hard. Uh, and, it is hard and, today. And uh, they have all sorts of like enriching activities that happen. Uh, the parents, you know, have jobs or are able to go pursue a college education. Izzy goes to college uh, during her time at the complex. The families have all committed to ten years here, um, and about halfway through the ten year project, the children get told which of the parents are their parents, and each child moves into the house with his or her parents um, for sort of the second phase of life. But they continue to really live collectively in this sort of utopic community. Um, And the book follows Izzy and Dr. Grind through many of these 10 years of the experiment it's just like it's very absorbing um i was trying to describe it to bob last night and he was like but what is it about like is it just a story and i was like well it's not just a story like it is a very well told and absorbing story. Uh, Kevin Wilson just creates this very full and interesting world inside at uh, the complex. And you can understand the appeal of it, but also the struggle. Um, he shows the characters, you know, they're people. So they get peopley. Uh, they have failures and they have personal struggles and they have disagreements with each other and with the methods of sort of the community. Uh, they question whether they've really made the right decision or if it's going to turn out that like this has monumentally screwed up their children. And ultimately, the book is an exploration of what family means to us, all of the sort of ways that we as adults try to compensate for whatever the weak points were in our own family lives and what it looks like when parents are trying to give their children better lives or more opportunities than they had themselves. And sort of that... Uh, like sad but very real truth that whatever your intention as a parent, no matter how hard you try, uh, or how good your children have it, there are going, there's going to be pain and there's going to be difficulty, and that even these very utopic seeming communities uh, have their downsides. It's just, it's just a great novel. You need a good book to sink into. This is it. Uh, so it's Perfect Little World by Kevin Wilson. He's awesome. He is awesome. I was so excited last year when we found out there was going to be a new Kevin Wilson book. Yes. Uh, and I like that there's this through line in his fiction of looking at families. It makes me wonder what else he'll do. Or what his family was like. <laughs> right. You know that his parents are like, oh, my God, is he going to write an essay about us? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I read a great book over the weekend for the 24 in 48 readathon. And I wanted to share. I mentioned it several months ago, I think, on my shopping list. But I finally got it, and I read it, and it's great. It's called The Assimilated Cubans' Guide to Quantum Santeria by Carlos Hernandez. It is a collection of short stories, and I was trying to think what to say about it, and I'm not going to lie, the publisher had the best description, so I'm going to read that instead. Um, it just It says, This collection of short stories features people who have assimilated but are actively trying to reclaim their lives. I thought that was a great way to describe it, so I stole it from them. Um, these stories are so much fun I love like sometimes you're like oh it's all been done like when you read a lot of mysteries like I do it's like oh this is how this is gonna turn out like a million times over but like with like with science fiction and fantasy like that stuff is off the wall like people just make up crazy stuff and it's so much fun and I never get tired of it because it's unending the number of combinations and weird stories that you can come up with um, one of these stories, is about people who get in panda costumes and have virtual reality panda sex in front of pandas to teach them how to mate. Okay. Yeah, it's... But, like, when you're inside the panda suit, like, you become the panda. It's it's crazy. Uh, there's one about a man who wants to climb Mount Everest to reclaim the body of his son. Like, very often when climbers uh, go up the mountain and they die, they are left there Because it's very hard to bring a body back down. And this man wants to go and reclaim his son. Um, There's a scientist who has a lover whose husband has lost his legs in Iraq. And he figures out a way to help him sort of gain his legs back. There's a man whose mother was executed by Che's firing squad. And when he is an adult, he travels back to Cuba as a grown-up. I already said as an adult and a grown-up. Different things, I guess. Um, to talk to her ghost that lives by the wall where she was executed. Uh, there's one about a reality show where a guy pretends to be a fake hitman and then people hire him and then the police arrest them. There's the colonization of another planet. There's so many crazy things going on. It's kind of like if Juno Diaz wrote episodes of Black Mirror. Ooh. Yeah, like they're like kind of strange but really fun and a little dark. But not too dark. It's, it's actually quite funny. Most of the stories are really funny. Um, I was just so charmed by it. Again, it's called The Assimilated Cuban's
1: Guide to Quantum Santeria by Carlos Hernandez. That just sounds great. They should put, it's like if Juno Diaz wrote episodes of Black Mirror on the book. That's a great blurb. Uh, Speaking of great books, which I guess is what we do all the time here, but I was really excited to see this sponsor. Our next sponsor this week is Mr. Splitfoot by Samantha Hunt. We talked about this book last year when it came out in hardcover. We both really loved it, and it's out in paperback now. Uh, Ruth and Nat are 17, they're orphans, and they may be able to talk to the dead And then they meet a man named Mr. Bell. He is a con man who has his own mystical interests. Together with Mr. Bell, Ruth and Nat embark on an unexpected journey that connects meteor sites, utopian communities. Oh, there's a nice connection. Lost mothers and a scar that maps its way across Ruth's face. Decades later and after years of absence, Ruth visits her niece Cora. But while Ruth used to speak to the dead, she now won't speak at all. She's totally silent. She leads Cora on a mysterious mission that involves crossing the entire state of New York on foot. Cora doesn't know where Ruth is taking them and who or what is hidden in the woods at the end of the road. Uh, Samantha Hunt was a former New Yorker 20 under 40 author. This is a subversive ghost story. It's haunting and weird. It's also an examination of family and motherhood and love as it is in its conjuring of the otherworldly. It's Uh, it's pretty unputdownable i think we both talked about that last year that like the book is just compelling and you can't ignore it Uh, so really happy again to have them sponsoring this week and that is mr splitfoot by samantha hunt it's out in paperback now and uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes or you can pick it up wherever books are sold
0: i'm so glad that they kept the hardcover me too it's a great cover cover because yeah i would have had to write an angry letter A strongly worded letter. That cover is amazing. We have
1: feelings about your book covers. I would have taken off my earrings. It's good to know where the line is with you, Liberty. (laughs) (laughs) We'll fight over book cover design. Like is, you know, pretty accurate. It's very important. It is. It's true. Uh, My next book pick is also very important. This came out earlier this month, and I've just finished it. So now I get to talk about it. It's Tears We Cannot Stop A Sermon to White America by Michael Eric Dyson. Uh, He is a professor of sociology at Georgetown. He's a preacher. He is a black man, and he has written this. It's a short book. It is an excellent audiobook. I sincerely recommend that if you do audiobooks at all, that would be the format that you consume this in because that is the way that that sermons are delivered, and uh, he is definitely preaching. The book is... to white people about race and about white people's duty to dismantle racism. The message is essentially white people are the ones who made whiteness. You are the ones who made the racial problems in America, and it will take white people deciding that that's no longer acceptable for anything to really get solved. Uh, He explores the notion that many white people, uh, because they're poor or because they were disadvantaged or because they didn't have good educations or for whatever reason, don't feel that they really have white privilege. But he says, even then, they know that they benefit from not being black. That the greatest privilege that exists is for white folk to get stopped by a cop and not end up dead. Uh, He goes through sort of the whole format of a church service uh, in the context of how the book is put together. And uh, it's is—it's really wonderful. Uh, It's convicting. Uh, I think no matter who you are or like how woke you think you are, there will be Something that he points out that uh, you have to examine within yourself, and that is what these books are, wh- what books like this are intended to do. Um, I I really enjoyed driving around listening to him preach for five hours. It was wonderful, and the book is called Tears We Cannot Stop by Michael Eric Dyson. Home stretch, let's do it.
0: My last book is called World Chase Me Down by Andrew Hillman, and it was billed as True Grit meets Catch Me If You Can. So I was like, mm. I'm on board. I, and like, mention of True Grit,
1: man. Yeah.
0: I also, I really liked Catch Me If You Can, if you've not read that memoir. Um, I didn't believe most of it, but I thought it was really fun. And again, I love Charles Portis, True Grit. You know, he's my favorite. So I was like, yes, I want to read this. And it I didn't know anything about it. I picked it up. It's actually based on a true story. Uh, it is the true story of an American Robin Hood. His name was Pat Crow, And in 1900... He committed what was called the first great crime of the 20th century. He was an out-of-work butcher, and he pulled off the first successful kidnapping for ransom in U.S. history. He kidnapped the teenage son of Omaha's wealthiest meat-packing tycoon for $25,000 in gold, and then went on to rob his way across the country, uh, being chased in an epic manhunt, and he is eventually captured. Um, I'm not going to tell you what happens after that, because that would spoil the story, But Hillman just delivers this really charming anti-hero, a man who wants justice and fairness and love. You know, it's sort of like the we-haves against the we-have-nots. But also, he doesn't let us forget that, like, he committed a terrible crime. He stole a kid. He took a child away from his family, and that is not cool at all. That's not how you get things done. But the public just absolutely loved him, and... It's just this really fun look at a little discussed slice of history. Like, when we talk about American kidnappings, now we think of the Lindbergh baby and Patty Hearst. No one ever mentions Pat Crow, um, And he later went on to become a writer and a lecturer. He talked about all his exploits and his um, crimes. Uh, the validity of his exploits have been called into question recently. Like, he might have padded some of his stories like people do. Um, but... You know, and you could never do that now, because the internet, everyone would be like, security cameras, you know... You can noise. Fact check your memoir. Now, like, nobody can do that anymore. So, it's... I like... I kind of find that interesting, you know, now when I think about things like that. Like, he could say whatever he wants, because there wasn't 500 pictures of it on Instagram, you know? Um, again, it is... Fabulous, and it's called World Chase Me Down by Andrew Hillman.
1: All right, my last pick is a book that I just learned about. It just came in my book mail over the weekend. I haven't read it yet, but it comes out uh, today as we're recording. And it's uh, I opened it and I was like, someone has deeply identified my wheelhouse. It's called Unbound: A Story of Snow and Self Discovery by Steph Jagger. Uh, she had worked really hard to find a place of success and stability in her life, but that just wasn't doing it for her. So she quit her job. She gets a second mortgage on her house and she takes on a mission to travel across five continents in order to ski more than four million vertical feet in a year. Uh, This is billed as like wild but with skiing. Uh, And it falls into that sort of sub-genre of memoirs about women understanding themselves through getting outside and going away. And I'm going to be on a ski vacation myself next week, not doing nearly 4 million (laughs) vertical feet, uh, but I'm going to be taking that along with me to read while I'm in a cold place away from my regular life uh, without my laptop, hallelujah. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to checking it out and it's out this week. So that's Unbound, a story of Snow and Self-Discovery by Steph Jagger.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Okay, kitten. Yes. What are you going to read next?
0: <laughs> Surprising no one, I'm in the middle of House of Bathory by Linda Lafferty. Um, I discovered the Tosca Lee stories about Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. A few weeks ago I was mentioning those, which led me to this one, which is similar in that it's a, it takes place in present day with Elizabeth Bathory, you know, in the, in the, the shadows, in the backstory. Um, and it's about a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst in uh, Aspen, Colorado, and her teenage patient.
1: It's really fun! What are you going to read next? I think that I'm finally going to pick up The Bed Moved by Rebecca Schiff, (gasps) uh, which is a short story collection that you recommended last year. And I picked it up when I was in Chicago for BEA, and I just never got to it, but it's coming out in paperback soon. So I think that's going to be my next pick. A good one. Good choice. Yeah, I'm excited to finally get to it. One of those that feels like it's been on my pile forever. Uh, so that is our show this week, a day late, but hope, hopefully not anything short for you faithful listeners. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com books to start your free 30-day trial with any of the bras in the 24-7 collection and to Mr. Splitfoot by Samantha Hunt, which is out in paperback now. Again, you can find it wherever books are sold or find a link in the show notes. Drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute, you want to give us a little tip, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, helps helps juice the magical algorithm and direct other book lovers to find their way to us. <gasps> My turn! <laughs> I was always looking at the cat
0: sticking his paw under the door. It was really exciting. It's almost like we haven't done this maybe one time. <laughs> I know. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today and more books in general, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter.
1: And in the meantime, happy, happy rereading. reading!